Well, today we want to talk about 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Love thinks no evil. And you know, when we read that, first of all, the thing that our mind goes to, well, we're not supposed to think bad or evil of someone. But I want you to see this word is awesome. And I want to encourage you to take notes, listen to the internet. This is the word here. What's amazing, it's the same number in the lexicon as well in the Strong's. It's number 3049 because I'm going to be getting in some things that I want, I want to encourage you. Check up on what I'm telling you, what I'm teaching you. Look at these and study about what these words speak of. It means love keeps no record of wrongs. How many would like to have that activated in your marriage today? Huh? Love keeps no records of wrong. Well, you know, that's the fourth time I told you. Well, baby, love keeps no records of wrong. How many, how, how, how's that? That's a good scripture, huh? Love keeps no records of wrong, does not think evil, does not consider the wrong suffered, is not resentful, does not hold the evil done to oneself. Love suffers the evil done to it and forgets it. You can see here in the lexicon in the Strong's, it means to put together in one's mind to build up a case. This word think, how many of you know, you can build a pretty good case up in your mind. A lot of times, you know, you hear people going to reunions and they go, you know what? They think it. If I would have married so-and-so, I'd be living in that neighborhood. I'd be driving that type of car. But I ended up driving, marrying this bozo and look what I'm not driving. Look where I'm living. How many know you can build a case in your mind? And it says that to put together in one's mind, to build up a case, to count. Somebody say, to count. I, I, when I read that, I thought about Peter. How many remember the day Peter went to Jesus and says, How many times do I have to forgive my brother? I'm building an account here. And you know, my account, his account's full as far as I'm concerned. So how long do I have to forgive him? And it says to build an account... And Jesus said, 70 times, seven times a day. In other words, you'll lose count if you're trying to keep count. So love doesn't keep count of the wrong it's done. It goes on to say, to build up a case to count, to occupy oneself with memories. How many of you remember Barbara Streisand? Memories of the way it were. I mean, amen, it says, to occupy oneself with memories and calculations. Well, I remember what you did to me. I remember what they did to me. And you're going to see how all of this comes together in a real unique way today. And I want you to grab a hold of this. And I want you to see what God is wanting to give you the grace. Because you say right away, I, I already can tell you right now, I cannot live that out. I cannot live that scripture out. I have tried to do everything that you're telling me, not to hold resentment, not to build up cases, not to... Not to uh, for, uh, forgive and to forget. I can tell you right now, that is totally impossible with me. Hallelujah. Because it's by the grace of God that He gets the glory when you are able to. None of us are capable in ourselves of completing all the Scripture. But in the Spirit of Christ that did fulfill all things is alive within you and I to help us so that like Peter, we don't have to go around saying, well, you know what? You've done filled your account up. That's it, buddy. I don't have any more patience with you. I don't have any more forgiveness with you. And the love of God says, who's keeping count? And Jesus says, wait a minute. If you start counting what you do to others, I'll have to do with you. So if you start counting 
somebody else's problems and sins and mistakes, I'll start counting yours. And let's see who has more at the end of the day. You, my count about you, or your count about him. How many of you know right there, that'd be enough to just say, okay, Lord, I'll just drop it right now. Huh? It means to take inventory and estimate. To take inventory. Well, you know, I've done told you these many times, when are you going to learn? When are you going to do it? Well, who, who's, who's keeping track? I am. How many of you know that's one of the reasons God made men so numb? Because it doesn't take two to keep track of all the wrong done. I don't know if you heard about that one. But it's talking about keeping track. Calculations. About who's done what, who's done what's wrong. And one thing I want to share with you today is that I, we are so blessed and honored and we're thankful to have you today. Last Sunday, the Spirit of God started moving. And there was not only people coming to the altar, but there was people running in other places, weeping. And, and from the first, I saw the Spirit of God start moving upon people. Now, there's something I, I want to share with you as we get ready to go into this. When you come in the Spirit of the Lord and you sit in the presence of God, not a man, but the Spirit of our God, we become as little children. We become vulnerable. The walls start coming down, but the pain starts coming up. And you see, listen, the reason many times people are not advancing more in their life is because it just hurts too much. And so I don't want to hear messages that touch me where it touches me. So I'll go somewhere else or I'll quit church or I'll just stay and watch TV, church on TV, or I'll do something else. But I'm, I'm scared about being so vulnerable because you know what? I've been hurt so many times before. People might find out who I am. And you know, the thing I want to share with you is, I don't know if you've seen, how many of you have seen that new program, The Locator? It's an awesome program. We've been watching it, and he was on uh, Dr. Phil this week. This man goes and finds the fathers, the mothers, the siblings, the family members of family members who are lost. And he goes and he investigates. He's got a whole team to investigate to find who's find their daddy. And they had an Iraqi soldier came back and he said, I wanted to know my dad. His mother was pregnant and, and the father never knew about it. And here's this young man coming back from the war. And this locator, Todd Dunn, he ends up finding the guy's father. And the father hugs him and introduces him to his brothers and sisters and his grandmother and said, I never knew I had a son. And, and he said, I know my mother never wanted you to know. And here he is in his mid-twenties and he meets his dad for this first time and his dad just grabs him hugs him and takes him and they're walking around the property and he says son you know what this is yours this is yours and I feel like the spirit of God is saying listen son and daughter I am the great locator and I've got some sons and some daughters who have been lost from the love and the acceptance of a father and I am locating the prodigals and those who are hurting and those who are crying out for help and those who are suffering. I am locating you. And when I locate you, I'm going to locate the pain and I'm going to locate the entryway of what got into your life that started you on a downward spiral. And I've come to rescue you. And I've come to embrace you. And I've come to accept you. And I've come to give you everything I, everything I have. It's yours. God is the great locator. And you know, Sister Sue, we know we're heading towards that orphanage. Uh, I prophesied years ago we were going to have an orphanage. And the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me. He says to prepare for the orphanage, start ministering to the orphan spirit in the church. 
for us to receive orphans. Many of us have to be healed of the orphan spirit that has affected us because maybe we weren't accepted or maybe we were given away or maybe there are things that happened in our life that we have kept account or we've built, we've built up a story or we've built up a case or, or we have it in our memory bank. And as long as those things are bothering us, we cannot progress as the Lord desires for us to. And that's why I say you are brave soldiers here today to open your heart and come back after what happened last week, to come back and be vulnerable and open your heart and say, Lord, here's my heart. Here's my life. I want to be free from the orphan spirit. I want to be free. We watched a movie this week about a family who had this dog and they had it from a pup and they had it till it passed away. And the thing the man said at the end of the movie was he said, one thing about a dog, he don't care what you drive, what you wear. He just loves you. And you know what? The thing about your heavenly father is he loves you. And you know what breaks intimidation? You know what breaks uncertainties? You know what breaks fear? The unconditional love of our heavenly father. The unconditional love of our Heavenly Father who thinks no evil towards you wants to heal you of your hurts and your wounds. It's not what you can do with your life. It's not what you can get. It's not what you can accumulate. It's just knowing that you are accepted who you are. And you know, so many have been, don't know, even here, don't know who their real biological father and mothers are. Don't know uh, why they were given away. Don't know what happened to them. And, and there's different stories like that. But I want you to know today that Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit and Jesus was all involved in your creation, even in your mother's womb. And though your natural mother and father did not see you, there was nothing that, did, that passed the eye of your Creator and of your Heavenly Father. He's reaching out to you and He wants to save you and He wants to do a work in your life today. Aren't you thankful for that? Amen. So we want to see here today what God wants to do in our life. And you know what I believe God is doing? You know, as if, if you watch TV and you look at the styles, how many can see that the 60s and 70s have came back in style? I mean, I'm wearing bell bottoms again. And not only am I wearing bell bottoms, I'm walking on them and they're tattering underneath my feet like they did when I went to school. I mean, the, the peace sign, uh, the hippie, uh, the long hair. I mean, it's like it's all going back to the 60s and 70s. And, you know, one of the things I believe is that there was a movement of love revolution in the 60s. And because the church had a bunch of thou shalt and thou shalt nots, and when people would come in with their long hair and their peace signs and, and not quite thinking in their right mind, they would say, thou shalt not, thou wilt not. And they would, all this, thou shalt. And then so they were leaving, feeling worse than they were. So they would get in their van and they'd go do things that they shouldn't do because they were in the midst of a love revolution. Bob Mumford said that one of the greatest revivals since Martin Luther is going to be a reformation of love in the body of Christ and in the church. And the reason that the church has not grown more is because instead of us impacting the world, the world has impacted the church and we have become more like the world than the world becoming more like the church because we have been so conditional when we serve a God who is so unconditional say, I love you and I care for you and I want you and I desire you and I desire to be intimate with you more than anything else. So I believe what's happening is that what was not completed in in the 60s and 70s 
is being reconnected to the hearts of the fathers to the children. So the orphan spirit is broken down and destroyed. That we can be whole. Because what's going to get us through the rough times and what's going to get us through the bad times and what's going to get us ready for the rapture and listen, what's going to make us the glorious church without spot and wrinkle is going to be the unconditional reformation, revelation, revival of the love of God. Do you hear me? That is what's going to do the revival. A revival of love. In the 70s. They start, you know, you got to wear hair covering. You got to wear your sleeves down to here. You can't wear pants. You got to take your gold out. And they started all these rituals. And there was people coming saying, I just want Jesus. Not like that. Not looking like that. You got to look like us. And they thought, you know, I'll know where I'm accepted. I'll know where I'm not rejected. And God is saying in this hour when America is so full of so many different modes and different things that I love you unconditionally. And I want to do a work in your life. And I want to help you. As we go through this word today, I want to encourage you. Don't, don't, don't be hurt or don't say I'll never get to that level. But take the word. The word of God says that the word of God is a knife. You know what? You ever been punctured? You ever stabbed yourself? You're going to feel it. There's things you're going to feel as we get into the revelation of this word today. But God visited me. The Holy Spirit visited me Wednesday and every day. And I couldn't even sleep last night because of what I could sense that the Holy Spirit is desiring to do in lives. So I want to encourage you. Instead of running, accept. Accept what Holy Spirit wants to reveal to you and I today. Let the good work he started, let him complete it. Let him bring you past some hurts and pains and rejections and bring to you a point of wholeness and completion. Amen? So we want to see here freedom from all of these things and, and, and the love of God and the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. And that's what we want to study on today. Now, we see here uh, number 3049. Logiz, logiz, how, how would you say that? Yeah, that. Logosimia. In French, we say logomoya. Anyway, it means think. But I want you to see the scripture there. In Matthew 15, 28, he was numbered, counted. Now, this is the word. Now, listen, that's why I say look this up, because this is going, I did not know the revelation that was in this word, think. I thought it had to do with my thoughts. I thought thinking evil meant that I need to renew my mind, and I do. But this word, think, has to do with these scriptures, and I'll show you how. In Mark 15, 28, he was numbered and counted among the transgressors. How many of you know that Jesus was not a sinner? But yet, he was called sin. He was not a sinner. How many of you know Jesus Christ was innocent? But yet he died a sinner's death. The next scripture says, Luke twenty-two thirty-seven, he was counted among the rebels. How many of you know that Jesus was not a rebel, but he was considered a rebel? Second Corinthians five twenty-one, he made him who knew no sin. Somebody say no sin, no sin. to be sin on our behalf. Now, if you're taking words, listen as we get to this point here. 
To think means to substitute an innocent one in the place of the guilty one. Write that down. The word to think there that we saw in, in, in 1 Corinthians 13, 5 means to put an innocent one in the place of a guilty one. Thinketh no evil to put one who is innocent into the place of a guilty man. Now the professionals would call this misdirected behavior, but I want to share this word with you and I believe that this is going to help you. And, and I want you to hear this. Let's say that Brother Buddy is my birth father. And then Brother Ray becomes my stepdad. My birth father never accepted me, abused me, never loved me. And all my life I did all I could to try to get accepted by Brother Buddy, by my dad. But here I move in and and my mom remarries Brother Ray. And he loves me. And he tells me, son, I'm proud of you. Son, you're the best. Son, you're doing so great. And he's telling me everything I wanted my dad to tell me. But he's not my dad. So I'm rude to him. And I take all my frustration that I have been building up against my dad, even though he's good to me, he's innocent I take all my frustration off on him because I cannot get my natural dad. I am a victim and my natural dad victimized me and I'm trying to get his love. I'm trying to get his approval. But because I cannot get his love and approval and because I have wounds and hurts from my childhood, I'm not going to take it out on him. I'm going to take the guilty out on the innocent. That's the word think. Let's say I was married before and here's my ex-wife. She fooled around on me. She left me. She abandoned me with the kids. It crushed me. I didn't see it coming and my wife left me. Divorced me. A few years later, I remarried, and here's my new wife, and she treats me so good, and everything's so great. But because of the hurts of the pains, I'm always checking her cell phone number, cell phone. Let's see if you're talking to any man. She says, baby, why can't you trust me? And I'll follow her in the car to see if she's really going to the grocery store. And when she's on the telephone, who are you talking to? And she says, I'm talking to somebody. Does it matter? And then I go, yes, it matters. Yes, it matters. Who is he? And she goes, it's my mother. I don't believe you. Give me that phone. And we spend days and weeks and months and I continue attacking her, the innocent, for the guilt of the one who victimized me. See where this goes to? That Jesus was sinless. But God made him sin, being innocent, to pay the penalty for the guilty. And we do the same thing. We take the sin and the hurt and the pain 
and we put it upon the innocent to make them pay for the sin of the guilty. He was numbered and counted among the rebels, but yet he was not a rebel. Misdirected behavior. It could be a coach. It it could be someone that you were very close to, someone you wanted to always love you. It could have been a mother, a, a very hard, demanding mother. And you start getting in fights with your wife and, 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 and angry with her. And all she does, would you mind passing me the fork? Oh, you're always giving me orders. Would you give me a glass of water? Oh, why can't you do it yourself? You're always telling me what to do. And she goes, don't I always serve you? But you see, I'm not seeing her. I'm seeing my domineering mother. So the innocent is paying the price for the guilty. And love thinks no evil. It does not take out what happened to me yesterday on the person I love and live with today. A substitute, a victim for being victimized. You want to hear a similar thing here? How many have ever heard, don't raise your hand if you've done it, but how many have ever heard, all the men are the same. All men are the same. Well, let me tell you one thing. Number one, if you say that, you're a liar. Because not all men are the same. In some areas, maybe so, but they're not all the same. Brother David, Sister Nita has been married for 40-something years. And this man still has the look in his eye when he looks at his wife. He still got it. When the devil tried taking her out, he went in the yard and he had a talk with God. Brother Russell such a gentleman to take care of his wife. So patient and so loving. Not all men are the same. Brother Ray and Sister Carolyn, 46, 47 years. They still got it. Call before you go knocking. They still got it. Shh. All women are the same. They all women are the same. You're a liar. They're not all the same. I've met some saintly women that have stood and been holy and pure and faithful all of their life. All women are not the same. You're speaking out of your pain. I'll never get married again. I'll never trust another man. Why? God may send you a perfect man, but the last two or three or four or five guilty ones keep you from loving the new one. I'll give you a close one. All them preachers are the same. All they want is your money. It's a lie. It's a lie. There are shepherds out there. And there are true pastors that want to see you healed. 
and see you whole. I wasn't a missionary for 18 years for $25 a month support. I didn't live, we didn't live in a hut and have no running water and, and no indoor plumbing or nothing because it was so fancy. It was for the love of the people. And so when we say everybody's just the same, that's not true. If you say, well, I'm just me, I got good news for you. The Holy Spirit has the power to transform and to change. Amen? Jesus treated, God treated Jesus as a sinner, making him pay. Let me show you right here. God treated Jesus as a sinner. Let me show you something. Now, I do this out of reverence and fear. I'm not trying to use up the scripture wrongly, but this is where the Spirit led me, and, and this is an example of what we saw about Jesus on the cross. Isaiah 53, verse 3, a holy, holy chapter prophetic about Jesus. But I want you to see something here about the word think. He was despised, but he was not worth despising. Did you ever read about a more loving, giving, selfless person than Jesus? He was despised. He was rejected. Who could reject Christ? But let me ask you, do you live with someone despising them? Do you live despising and rejected someone who may be innocent, but yet they are guilty of a crime that happened in your past? Can I just go ahead and jump to what the word evil means? Because be I won't be able to get there today. But can I give you the, what the word evil means? It's the, word, it's the word for the name of Satan. And the definition of that word evil means to pull you down in the direction I am going. To pull you down, to destroy you and to kill you in the direction that I am going for my destruction and end. That is the word evil. This is something that Jesus taught us to pray. Deliver us from evil. The same word. Deliver us from the destroyer who's trying to pull me down towards his same destruction. And so what this verse is saying is that not to hold the innocent into a guilty place and bring them down into the same destruction you are on the pathway to. You were victimized as a child. You were hurt. You were abused. You were abused physically. You, you, you were abandoned. You, you, you were separated. Your wife, your husband left you. All of these horrible, 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 horrible things happened to you. But it doesn't mean that you have to live underneath that for the rest of your life and then pull down with you in that direction, spiraling down because of the hurt and the pain and bring them down with you, including your children. He wants to free you today. That's why He visited me and He showed me this revelation. He brought me to these scriptures and He brought me to this study to share with you today, to feed you, to help you, to help us. That if you are on a pathway that is negative and depressive and hurt and pain and always blaming and holding accounts and pulling things together and holding things against, whoever you grab a hold of, just like Satan wants to bring everyone down to hell with him, we want to bring people, even that we love, down into our hell with us. Jesus was despised and rejected. And look at this, acquainted 
with the deepest grief. Do I examine myself today and ask myself the question, because of my past and because of my hurts, am I causing those who are innocent to suffer with my grief? Is my grief causing me to suffocate them with the same pain that has been suffocating me? It was our sorrows that weighed him down. What has caused me sorrow? All the rejection, all the hurt, the misunderstandings, the names, all the different things that's happened. Is that sorrow inside of me pushing those I love and who are innocent down in the same type of sorrow? Is the sorrow acquainted with the African-American culture, with the Latin culture, with the Oriental culture, with the Asian culture, with the Native American culture? Is that sorrow acquainted with those people is it, am I allowing it to continue to suffocate and cause me and my loved ones sorrow? Or have I realized that whom the sun sets free is free indeed? And I don't have to live underneath the conditions of man. I have a higher standard redeemed by better things than the blood of animals. I've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, I am a risen, exalted son and child of the Most High God. But the griefs and the sorrows my depressions. Well, I just fight depression. But we're going to believe you better. Break it in Jesus' name. And walk free. Look at the next. Verse 5, it says, He was pierced for our rebellion. He was pierced for our rebellion. How many of us lived lives of rebellion when we were younger? And our rebellion pierced the heart of our mothers and our fathers. We hold it against our children. We hold it against our loved ones because of the days that we were living out our rebellion. Crushed our sins. He was beaten. He didn't deserve to be beaten. He was beaten so we could be whole. How many times am I beating up on the innocent, my loved ones? Because... I am beaten up on me on the inside. My griefs and my sorrows are telling me you're not worthy. You're guilty. You're shameful. My memories, the accumulation of memories, the account against myself is pulling me down and telling me you're not worthy of His love. You're not worthy to even sit in His presence. Who do you think you are? Verse 6, we left God's paths to follow our own Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Why, husband and wife, husband, why do I have to suffer these things? Because you continue doing things your way. Don't you know you can be free from that? And you can accept the Holy Spirit to free you from that. And verse 7 says, He was oppressed and treated harshly. We're reading in the book of love in 1 Corinthians 13. Love thinketh no evil, does not oppress or treat harshly. Unjustly condemned, struck down. He had done no wrong, 
but and never deceived anyone. But yet many times our loved ones, people we love, people we are married to, our children have done no wrong. But because of some of the wrong we have done that we have not gotten free from in our mind, we push them and smother them and hurt them. Verse 10, the Lord's good plan was to crush him and cause him grief. His life was made an offering for sin. I wonder how many people we might have made an offering for our sin. We've hurt them, used them, betrayed them. But if you repent today, He'll throw it as far as the east is from the west. He will bear all their sins and He was counted among the rebels. God put all of our sin upon Jesus, the innocent, sinless, shameless one, that the guilty could go free. But in that word, thinketh no evil, at the work, we all of a sudden see our boss do something and we go, you know, I don't like him. Why? He reminds me of another boss I had. But you don't know him. Yeah, but he's already got similarities. But you don't know that. We're so quick to build an account, so quick to judge, so build, quick to build something around people. And he's saying love does not do that. I want to share with you about David. And I want to show you one of the secrets of getting out of this. David was forgotten by his own dad. The prophet Samuel, you know, I won't take time into this. The prophet Samuel said, Don't, is this all your sons? Oh, wait a minute. The brat, he's keeping the sheep. Somebody go get David. David was forgotten by his dad. You know his dad really gave him a lot of attention. He was rejected and hurt by his brothers. You're just a bratty kid. What are you doing here? Go back to those few sheep. His own brothers rejected him. Then he found his spiritual dad. Saul brought him into the palace and said, David, you shall be my son. You shall eat at my table. You shall be equal with my sons. You are my heir. You shall live at my palace and at my table. You are my son. You are a captain in my army. But boy, when jealousy rose in, that spiritual father that treated him like he wished Jesse, that spiritual father that treated him like he wished his own dad would have treated him, ended up wanting to kill him and throw spears through him. But in all of this, listen to me now. David says, I'm in a relationship. My father rejects me. My brothers reject me. My spiritual father wants to kill me. But I'm in a relationship with my heavenly father. And no matter what man or woman or kin or friend or boss or enemy, in all of David's life, whatever rose up against him, he could say, wait a minute, I'm in a relationship. I have my identity in who my father is. My father that I have an intimate relationship with is not Jesse. My futures doesn't depend upon my brothers. My relationship is not into the king. My relationship is with the ancient of days, the alpha and the omega. My relationship intimacy is with God 
And you see, when we have that type of intimacy, you can read in 1 Samuel chapter 30, it said that David and all of his men came back to Ziglag and the terrorists, the jihad, had came in and burnt all their houses down, took, took, taken their wives, taken their kids, taken all their possessions and, and, and took off with it. And it says that David and all of his men just fell to the ground and started weeping. Just weeping. And then when David stood up, his friends, all of his friends, all of his buddies, everybody who said, oh, David, you're the next king. David, we're going to help you. David, you're the man of God. They all picked up rocks and they said, let's kill David. Not only were all of his house destroyed, not only was his kids gone, his wife's gone, everything taken. He's all alone. He's weeping. Now those with him want to kill him. You know what David did? He put on the priestly garment. And it says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. You're not going to crush me. You're not going to condemn me. You're not going to cause me grief. You're not going to cause me to bear your sins. You're not going to hurt me. You're not going to reject me. Because I have somewhere where I can go. And I can say, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that's within me. Bless His holy name and forget not all of His benefits. God, they want to throw rocks, but you want to give me victory. He had a relationship with the one who really matters. It wasn't with the amount of people around him because people come and go. You read his life. The people came and they left. He who sat at my table has betrayed me. Men and women come and go and treat this way and that way. But I've got an intimacy with my heavenly Father. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. And he started blessing and magnifying God. You're not going to crush me. I'm not dying here. I'm not finished yet. My God's not through yet. My God cannot be defeated. You might have burnt the city down, but I know you did not burn down heaven. And he encouraged himself in the Lord. And you know what it says? As he was magnifying in intimacy with God. It says, and the word of the Lord came. (laughs) The word of the Lord came. And the Lord said, go after him. You will recover all. And David said, yes, daddy. Yes, Abba. And he went to the stoners in their face and said, don't stone me right now. My heavenly father has spoken to me. And what my natural father and my stepfather and everyone could not give me, he always gives me. That's why I keep a journal and I just keep writing and I keep talking about my father and my father keeps talking about me and I do not have an orphan spirit because I have a sonship spirit. And the reason I can be king is because I know who my father, the king of kings, is. If all of these things be against me, if God is for me, who can be against me? Amen, church. So quickly it says, the same word is used, and I'm finishing here. Philippians 3.13 is the same word, think. I do not count myself, that word count is the word think there. 
I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting those things behind me. Forgetting those accounts behind me. Forgetting those memories and calculations behind me. I do not count myself already there. But I do know I'm not where I was. So therefore I know I'm on the way to where I'm going. Glory be to God. I'm not there yet. You're not there yet. But we're not giving up and quitting. Till we get there. And I got news. For you. You are going to be a happy person. You are going to be a peaceful person. You are going to be a loving person. You are going to be a changed person. Because the Word, even right now, is changing us. Listen, 2 Corinthians eleven fifteen. For I consider, that word consider is our word right there. For I consider that I am not at all inferior. I don't have any memories, calculations. I do not have an account telling me why I should feel inferior to the crisis surrounding me. I don't have any memory or estimation or inventory reminding me of how low down and no good I used to be. Now I see the precious blood of Jesus Christ and the glory of God behind me. And I know that in nothing I shall be intimidated. Satan, come in my room and say, you are a dead man. I'll say, in nothing am I intimidated. The witch doctor, tiger man, came after me with a machete. And he was coming to kill me. In nothing am I intimidated. And he got saved that night. And a few weeks later, baptized. Why? Because our identity is in the one who causes all things to remain strong. It says, same word, 2 Corinthians 5.19, For God in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself, no longer, here's our word, counting people's sins against them. Woo! He is not counting our sins against us. Can that make you happy? What are we going to do when we get before the throne of God? Have you repented? Yeah. Then you're going to dance. Because He's not counting everything you're doing so that when you get before Him, He said, you this, you this, you this, you this. He says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the blessings of the Lord. Yeah. For God in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting sins against us. Second Timothy 4.16, Paul, the first time I was brought before the judge, no one stood with me. Everyone abandoned me. But listen to him. 
may it not be counted against them. Hear the heart of love here. May it not. No one stood with me. I went to the divorce court by myself. I went to the Hope House by myself. They took my kids away from me. No one came to my defense. I was alone. No one came to my defense. We would be saying, Lord, bless them with a brick. We would be saying, oh, send hell and fire. You know what Paul says? I erase that they were not there in my time of need. And I release them. And I love them. And Lord, I'm not making a case. I'm not going to pray and say, Lord, look how they weren't with me. No, I'm not going to make a case for them. I'm going to pray that you bless them and not hold them accountable for not being there for me. Am I the only one who needs this today? Woo! Verse 17, listen now, like David, Paul said, Lord, don't count it against them because you stood with me and gave me strength. Oh, glory be to God. Amen. Well, I'm going to stop there for today.